welcome to How to Save the World, pretty cool podcast on environmental stuff. Hey Tim. Yeah, we think so. Yeah. The I'm, reviews are in, pretty cool. I'm Waverly Worth. I'm Tim Bat. And today we've got really special guest, pretty amped, Gina Dempster. Hello. Hi, all the way from Wanaka. That's all right. Um, I have wanted to have Gina on this podcast for some time. I've got a great excuse. Um, both of us are doing the six items challenge. And Gina, you're actually behind it, one well, of the groups behind it. Yeah, so Wastebusters is um, hosting the six items challenge in our district in New Zealand, but it was actually started um, by a non- not-for-profit in the UK to support uh, workers in the textiles industry. So it was started to raise awareness of exploitation of workers, but we are also using it to raise awareness of textile waste because at Wastebusters we have two reuse shops and we're just seeing huge flows of clothes coming through and huge amounts of textile waste. And we're not alone because it's um, an issue that's facing all the op shops in New Zealand and actually around the world. It's pretty global, eh? Can I ask two very quick questions, Gina? What is Wastebusters and what is your connection to it? So Wastebusters is a social enterprise and we are 20 years old this year. Happy birthday. I know. We haven't decided what we're doing, but it's going to be a big party. Won't involve balloons probably, eh? Yeah, no balloons. Maybe you should tell embarrassing speeches about the company. Embarrassing speeches, dressing up. (laughs) Make the company do a yardie somehow. Okay, I'll think about that. (laughs) I'll think about how to make a company do a yardie. Um, And we were set up to provide alternatives to waste going to landfill in Wanaka because when we were set up, there was no alternative. There was no reuse store. There was no recycling. And so our community got together and went, we want recycling and the only way we're going to get it is if we do it ourselves. So that's was the evolution of Wastebusters. Wow. Yeah. And so and, and that was the start of it? It started in Wanaka? And- it's, well, Wastebusters started in Wanaka and at the same time, one started in Alexandra, which is kind of an hour down the road from Wanaka, and then we became one Wastebusters about six or seven years ago. So now we have two sites, one in Alexandra, right. one in Wanaka. And were you there right from the start? Yeah, well, it feels like it, but no, I've <laughs> been there for 12 years. Great. 12 years, a long time, and I am the communications manager. That's my role. So that means you can see anything. I guess Because everyone always has to check off with their communications manager. That is right. Yes. Yes. Just quickly I've check got it the off red with pen yourself. and I just kind of like, you know, yeah, put the red pen through it. And let's just really clarify what the six items challenge is too um, for listeners or people who aren't embedded, embroiled in it, in the <laughs> I daily think trauma. I feel like it's like Plastic Free July. So when we first did Plastic Free July, everyone was like, what's Plastic Free July? And now everyone's like, oh, what is the six items challenge? So it's the idea that you can only, well, you choose only to wear six main items for the whole month of March, but there are a lot of exclusions. So that's not counting footwear, underwear, active wear, which is like sports wear. Um, You can have a jacket and uniform. So none of those things count. Other than that, you choose six items and you wear only those six items for the whole month. So for me, it would be like, Maybe one pair of jeans, one pair of chinos, and probably like four t-shirts. That sounds about right. Too easy. Yes. So, are you now going to say to me that's what I normally wear? Uh, no, it's not far off though. Yeah, because to be honest, every man I've talked to has said I only wear six items. <laughs> Literally. Yeah, I think it would be really easy for Matthew. Too. Yeah, that's but, yeah. But interesting. Then, eh? But then the interesting thing is, you say, well, how many clothes have you got in your wardrobe? And they're all like, oh, lots. 
but I only wear six of them. What? Or I only wear six things that all look the same. Yeah. You know, I, one of the things I did was to, to try and work out what my six would be was to actually, I looked in my diary and I wrote out um, particular events that were unique. Mm. Like, so if I was going, so, or say visiting a client or playing with kids. So, and then I kind of grouped them. And I, because I actually did this post March, so I'd already started and I had just woken up in the morning and by default <laughs> selected three items like jeans, t shirt, jersey. And um, so I only had three left. And so I was trying to work out how to spend those that last three by going through looking at all of the range of events that I would have. And then I realized oh, I can actually group these quite easily into like maybe four different categories from casualness through to formality. And then thinking about it, oh, it could be cold or it might be ridiculously hot. And it was actually, well, I was surprised how easy it was, but then I'm only into week one, so. Yeah, but I think that's incredible. A, that's incredibly organised because I didn't approach it in any way, <laughs> you know. You, and you, did, you did approach it before March I did, started, I did. Though, didn't you? I did, but I also think, are you normally you? that organised with your wardrobe? Because I think that's what the great, what, you know, one of the benefits of doing the six item challenge is it starts you actually thinking about your clothing how you can group it? What do you wear it for? You know, and oh, look to answer your question. No, I'm really, really disorganised. I can have a quite a big deal event, and I will be literally trying to work out what I'm wearing. As See, this just, is what Jean is saying, you're normally disorganised, but this has forced you <laughs> into has, being very yeah. intentional. It's actually, and I yeah, have yeah, really, yeah, intentional I is a good word. Do really like love a good challenge, and I was thinking one of the reasons was because in personality, I'm a spontaneous person and also I'm the type of personality that is good at getting information and data Mm. but not good at making decisions so one of the things I hate doing is shopping and I love when I'm in a place like uh, or any refillery like Benin or whatever that there's no decision around branding it's just like oh I need chickpeas and that's that and it was I when I've I've been waking up in the morning like coming here it's the first time I've been to Auckland since I started the challenge I've literally been on the farm and it was actually, it was this really positive, fun feeling of going, I don't have to make any decisions <laughs> and just like throwing my clothes on and going, yeah. that's that. I loved it. And that, that was one of the benefits when we were writing the list of benefits of doing the challenge. We were like, save time. Because how much time do we think? We're taking that decision making. But I think it is also like plastic free July. So, you know, when you go to the supermarket and you're shopping, there's so many things going through your head when you buy an item. You know, you know, what are the kids going to eat? How much have we got in the cupboard? What brand do we like? Well, how much is the price point? And then you're kind of thinking about packaging as well. And that packaging is on top of all those other decisions. Mm. And so with plastic free July, it's like you actually take the time to put packaging at the forefront and you just kind of ignore all those other things and think about the packaging. And that really feeds into the rest of your life. Those kind of decisions you make during that month really inform the rest of your life. And and yes. I think it's the same yeah. with the fashion. So like when we put a piece of clothing on, we're thinking about so many different things. And by thinking about the um, how many items do we actually need and what's appropriate for this occasion and kind of grouping it, we can actually realise that we don't need as much clothing as we think we do Mm. and we can shop much more intentionally. So if we shop, we can shop secondhand, but we can also shop to fill gaps rather than just think, I need something for this occasion. You kind of think, well, what do I ha- What do I need that would actually make the rest of my wardrobe work well, yeah. which is my problem. Yeah, yeah so, me too. And I was saying that to Tim yeah. just before we got going too, is that one of my six items, this is a pair of 
pants I'm wearing now that I don't actually like. <laughs> and I realised that I don't have a pair of pants that, yeah. will, that sort of works in that particular way. And so it did actually make me think, because I, I thought it would be interesting. So I counted up and I've got 77 items in my wardrobe that are included, that could be included in the challenge. Wow. So not counting um, the... Uh, Underwear socks, and socks underwear, and all of that. Yeah. 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 But that, I mean, that seems like a lot. And I wouldn't have thought of you as somebody that had a lot. I know you like clothes, but I wouldn't have thought you had a huge wardrobe. I think it's from op shopping, mostly. Like, I'd say 95% of my clothing is from op shops, and certainly heaps of the time I spend is um, from op shops. And it's it's often not quite right. And so mm. I'll buy several things rather than just one thing that actually works. Like classic would be the pants because it's like, I'm going, well, I can get away with them in this situation, but not that. Whereas if I actually just went and bought the right pair of pants. Mm. So that was something that I quite liked with Kate Hall, how ethically Kate, who came in um, oh, a few months ago now, um, how she is complementing yes. that um, option we all have to just go and buy secondhand with actually here are some really good clothing brands. Um, so I'm thinking I need to, well, like say, be intentional and um, re- kind of sort out a few basic items. Mm. And I think that's a really good way to think about it because, you know, I'm the same. I buy nearly all my clothes from op shops and there's a really good reasons for that because um, obviously that resource has already been made and it's so much better if somebody's wearing it than it's sitting in somebody else's wardrobe. So I think op shopping is a great way to form the basis of your wardrobe. But it's, a, and I love how you it's said cheap. It, yeah, it's cheap. Yeah, it's, it's good for the planet. It's, um, it's something exciting about it because you, you feel like you're discovering a hidden gem. Yeah, you know, oh, there's I that treasure hunt thing. That. And, and yeah. it's also like a personal style point of view. You feel like you're actually buying something that suits you you're not just buying into whatever the trend is and um which may or may not well, I don't know you. Well, I don't know either <laughs> I don't know either <laughs> um but yeah but I think there's a you know the the thing that the just doing the six items challenge so far has taught me is that you need those key pieces that pull it all together you know and it might only be one or two things but Gosh, um, if there's any fashion consultants out there listening, mm, I could do with some help. Well, I actually, I when I started the six item challenge, I got a friend of mine who works for a fashion company, who's a designer, to come and help me with what? my choice. Yeah. I know, I know, you got to call your friends in when you when you're in a difficult situation. So she came and helped me figure what I was actually going to wear, and it was a really interesting process. And I realised I don't have any tops that I actually like. <laughs> like you know, you you've got the tops, I've got the pants. <laughs> Yeah. Gina, do you want to talk a bit about why this is such a focus and why this yeah. challenge has come about? Yeah. So we, you know, working with secondhand fashion, which we do at Wastebusters all the time, we just see the flow. So Wastebusters is always is all about donations. You know, people drop off to us stuff that's unwanted or unused in their house. And a lot of the reason is because they want to see it used and they support the work that Wastebusters does. And so we then, um, you know, hold it till somebody else comes along and finds a use for that item. But the flow of textiles that we're getting, the flow of clothing is so massive that we can't hold it all because it isn't a home for all of it. And that is really quite devastating as an organisation that's about zero waste to, have to, throw. to actually have to throw because things out. We seem to be throwing more and more out. Yeah, so we are. So, um 
in New Zealand, clothing's about 4% of the waste stream, which is actually really high. It's yeah, higher really high. than nappies and sanitary <gasps> items, which what? amaze me. Yeah. Yeah. How are you sure? That's the stats that I've got. How can we possibly, you look at how many nappies a household would be throwing out per day. But the thing is that that not, you know, there's a lot of households that don't use nappies, but every household is going through a massive amount of clothing. What? Yeah. And so there's some some other crazy stats. So we are making worldwide 150 billion items of clothing a year, which I can't even... Imagine, like how many billion. people have we got? At the moment? Uh, eight, like, eight billion people. Eight billion people. Yeah, I had to look that up. I was like, well, how many? How does that work? What's how the can we be on that throwing that out? It was like, uh, it's like over three 20, each or something. Twenty no, more. Twenty. What? Yeah, eight billion people. Yeah, so twenty items. The average person. It's too much on any scale. That is insane. I know, and that's not how it used to be. It's either, not right? how it used to be because. So what the stats also show is that since 2014, our consumption of clothing, the amount of clothing we buy has gone up by 60%. Six oh. Six oh. Six years. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think people were, people were already buying a lot of clothes in 2014. And we've just seen such a drive to that kind of fast fashion. So clothing's almost becoming disposable in the way that mm. other items, you know, um, we've, we've been through the whole looking at plastic and the way we're using disposable plastic. And I think that now we're starting to look at clothing and going, well, really, there's so much clothing that's designed to be literally worn two or three mm. times mm. and it doesn't last. Look, it's so uh, cheap. What are some, because I feel a little bit stuck in this, whether I'm op shopping. I mean, and occasionally I've gone, right, I'm going to go to a nice store and buy some stuff and then that won't last either and I get really frustrated. And I feel a little bit caught in this mm. myself. Um, I know I'm buying clothes, um, whether they're secondhand or not. And then I'll, I'll get, and I'm buying them because I'm actually frustrated with what I've got. Yeah. Partly that's because we have lost that skill as a generation of sewing. And if we're all these slightly different shapes, and I'm, I'm my only option is to buy something that's been mass, mass produced. Mm. Um, and so. So I think, I think that's where, the, you know, maybe the fast fashion is that mass production. But I think if you can find a, a, you know, that's what you're paying for with more expensive brands often is the design process. So you're actually, they're designing to sit differently. Um, my friend that was a, works in fashion was talking me through this the other day because we, we were talking a lot about it when we were choosing the wardrobe. And what she was saying is that, the time it takes to actually design an item that's going to fit well and to go through fitting process. So they might fit the, the item three or four times on a fit model before they go into production. And that's actually part of what you're paying for when you pay the extra money is a design process and a fit process and a production process that actually makes the item of clothing work a lot better. That won't necessarily happen with mass-produced well, fast so, Yeah, items. so if you're getting a $5 T-shirt, somebody's basically, you know, put out a, a shape on a, on a board and cut that T-shirt and it not only is it not going to fit very well, but often it doesn't um, last very well. So the fabric's been made in a way that's it's not going to live up to washing. And um, Yeah, this is it. It's this wear. constant disappointment when you're in the shop, even if you are spending money yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I know. And it's so just that's so hard to so know. So that's the thing, like, is it actually just money that's, dividing the, you know, the good item from the bad item. I think it's more than Mm. that. And I think you actually have to look at some, you know, you were saying you had somebody come in and talk about ethical fashion. And a lot of those brands, you know, you pay more, but they're really looking for a quality 
There's fabric. definitely a correlation, I think. Yeah, a quality yeah. fabric, and they're looking to design to last. And I think that's the thing. You've got to start looking for brands that are designing to last. But then within that, you've also got to find a brand that suits your particular uh, style, build. body yeah. type, and yeah. One and thing that I hear talked about a little bit online, because I kind of, I've subscribed to a couple men's fashion blogs and just hoped that by osmosis, they will feed into my wardrobe. Hasn't happened yet. But one thing everyone talks about is going op shopping and getting like great, pe- you know, doing yep. the treasure hunting bit and then using a tailor. Ah, and apparently yes. it's not that expensive if you actually find a good quality tailor in your city and it can change, like absolutely change your wardrobe. Um, if you just go out and find nice pieces and they might not fit exactly right, it might be some great pants that need to get taken up. It could be a jacket mm. that needs to get taken out. But you can just save so much money and look mm. so good by employing the use mm. of a tailor in concert with a I love items. that. I, I do actually too. really want to do that. And it's funny, like, um, uh, there's a barrier there, and, and I'm not quite sure what it is because I've wanted to do that for quite some time. Like another item that I wear is that silk kimono sort of thing that I wear a lot, and I thought, I don't care, I'm just going to wear it more over March. Um, and that does not fit. It's like I'm a I'm a small size um if it's just like small medium large extra large and that is a large and it's massive on me um in fact i'm not even sure it's supposed to be a kimono (laughs) 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 but um and i've always meant to sort of get that fixed up and it's somehow easier just to on any given day sort of just not bother and it really would maybe I'll make maybe maybe that should be one of the the resolution yeah Yeah. and I think I I too love that idea and I think maybe the barrier we have is that whole Kiwi DIY idea where it's hard to pay someone to um, I think that's true it's not really to repair though is it it's actually to get it to fit you properly I think that's true because I I can't sew and yet I have this thing in my head of like oh well I'll just I just need to find time and I'll get the sewing machine out and I'll I'll Mm. give it I've got a friend who I can ask and I don't I like and and that actually sounds quite technical fitting that kimono so I would probably give that to a skilled person. You do a lot of stuff. You, you're running a farm with your husband at the moment. You don't need to like yeah, load all of these skills on yeah, top exactly. of what you're like, already learning. Else. I'll tell you what the other barrier is. It's actually not knowing a person. Yes. You know how when like when, yeah. if you've got to get your cart or panel beat or any sort of professional service so, like that. I've got this incredible website to introduce you to called google.com. Oh. <laughs> So at Wastebusters, we're actually trying to bring those kind of skills on, together. I'm just recovering. You're recovering <laughs> from that. <laughs> I have to, in my role as the clueless comedian, get a couple of burns in, or at least attempts at them every episode. So yeah, forgive me. Good. Um, so yeah, so we are trying to run a program where we introduce repairers to people, or oh. to people to repairers. Is it Wanaka based? It is, but I will be so. Well, there is something in Auckland. So we're doing some of the repair cafes, which you may have. I know they're running in Auckland. You <gasps> actually, probably that's somebody true. already. Because that's, you, that's what you can get a chance to have a one on one. You can actually meet people. They repair stuff for free for you. I've taken in clothes what? before and they'll like sit and they'll, and you just make a donation and you sit and have a cup of tea while they're, and there's like food. Everyone brings a plate and it's in the community it's hall. It's incredible. It's so cool. Yeah. I've got some stuff that definitely needs fixing up. Yeah, yeah. And they'll do like just random, like maybe a toaster just doesn't. Um, maybe it pops up too. I've got this incredible trench coat I bought in Japan, and the button just is like on one thread left, and I'm terrified of wearing <laughs> it for fear of losing the button. 
So I, I need to yes, you yeah. do. Well, either get a tailor or, or yeah. Well, well I think we can show you how to sew a button, but we. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. Fair but, enough. but I mean, that's a really good thing to think about because I hadn't actually thought about having a button sewer at our repair cafe. But maybe we need somebody to sew buttons on because I know I've got about three things that have got buttons that have fallen off and it's I haven't. The time, eh? Like my um, uh, jersey. That one of the items for my challenges is like that classic comfort. It's actually Matthew's old jersey that I threw in the wash to shrink down so that I could fit it. <laughs> Did <laughs> he, it work? Yeah, really right. well. <laughs> um, it's a like a lamb's wool, really nice one. Um, and it's the reason he didn't want it anymore is because it's got two big holes in the sleeves. And I've just been wearing it around the farm. And then I looked at my wardrobe again. I was like, oh, I, that is what that is the item I want. I want to be able to wear that off the farm. So I thought I've got to darn the sleeves. Um, and I recently went up to Kitty Kitty. And in the trip, on the car trip, I spent one trip up doing the left sleeve and I spent the trip back doing the right sleeve and it's like if I hadn't have been traveling there's no way I would have said I just don't have that time to mm. sit around and do that that's but okay someone else does this is about exactly you yes. know, yeah, yeah. the person yeah. who's got the yeah. skills expertise yeah. and equipment yeah. yeah yeah and I mean that is one thing too with fashion is there's actually not that many sewing jobs in New Zealand anymore we've really outsourced all of that skill so if you can support somebody totally. in our community to actually make a living doing that, I think that's a really that's great really cool. Thing. And actually, I like upholstering too. But another really cool one is um, there's lots of like bags, not groups or boomerang bags in New Zealand where um, you can go along and they're, they're rescuing scrap fabrics mm. from landfills and um, you all get together and you sew. You just sew a basic bag. Couldn't be more basic. And I went, I've only been to one, because I can't sew, right? So I've only been to one of these events and I loved it. And I sat next to, you all had a sewing machine each. And again, we're in a community hall and there's food and tea and coffee. And I sat next to this woman who um, was a very competent sewer, who at first, when I asked my first question, was like, oh, the, you need know, to just do that. And so she did it and then went back to her own project. And then I like, you know, about five seconds later, I was like, mm, I'm not sure about this part of the process. <laughs> and in the end, she was sort of doing it for me and I was sitting on the edge and I was losing ground, getting further and further away from my sewing machine. But by the end of it, I'd actually learned a whole bunch about sewing and then I did right. get to have a go. And I was like, that is actually a really good forum for people who want to sew, learn the basics of sewing and meet people in your community. I would yeah. love to learn how to sew. This yeah. sounds like a really cool way to do it. Mm. What and I like about this challenge is there seems to me to be quite an intrinsically sort of anti-consumerist, uh, m not message behind it necessarily, but kind of um, principle behind it, mm. but it's not super heavy handed with the messaging. Yeah. And I think it, it's supposed to be fun. So a lot of people have said, oh, I don't think I can do it, or I've got a wedding that month. How am I going to have that as one of my six items? And it's really just about conversation, about rethinking. So it's not supposed to be heavy and hard. Yeah. You're not supposed to be cold. Like if you're cold. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you have to say put it. A, put a jersey to on. The because some like people myself. take it, yeah, some people take it, you know, very, very seriously. But it's, it, you can cheat. But it's, it's about, we never take the time to rethink. Our relationship to fashion and it's what fashion how actually miss meets. the point sometimes. Yeah, eh? it's like, yeah, it's, yeah. No, no, no. It's, all, it's like you could put a coat on for God's yeah. sake. Yeah, wear yeah. a scarf. Yeah, don't be miserable. <laughs> you know, if if all your clothes are soaking wet, that's fine. Just you know, put your pajamas on. But um, yeah, and and I think the really great thing about it too is if you're doing it with other people, 
you start talking about yes, what's working yeah. for you and what have you learned and um and yeah, but it just I gives know, some space yeah. in your I mean everybody's busy too. It just gives you some space in your life to take some time to think about that. It's one of those classic things in life that you wish you'd actually just sorted out and gotten right when you're in your twenties and then you've got this great foundation and said you limp through and I'm like, Oh, here's this opportunity mm. to maybe find a tailor. Like a lot of things, best day to start is yesterday, second best day is today. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. But it, speaking to that a little bit, how busy we all are and how little time we've got, this is just one more thing where you can remove that tax on your brain of decision-making every morning. So, yes. Mm. What am I going to wear today for work? If you can mm. just reduce the amount of options you have. Like weirdly, I remember reading a lot about that um, when Obama was the president. And there's this big piece in time about kind of how he lives his life. This guy got to shadow him for three or four days. And he tries to remove every single decision from his life that he doesn't need to make. So there's like a system behind the breakfast that they have, um, you know, every morning and dinners and stuff. Because it's just that recognition of the fact that we all have a finite amount of mental energy and deciding where you're going to put it. And I'm very into that. Like, I think that's that, you know, I quite like that self optimization bent to this and the ability to go, okay, today I'm going to put the day aside and pick out what items I can possibly and shrink that spectrum of things that I can wear down to six items for a whole month. Then that removes every morning this decision making rigmarole Mm. that I have to go through. Yeah, I'm already feeling like I just want to huff. Like, it was just so. Oh, like cleansing to pull out those six items, and I just, I just had that sense of wanting to, because I, I like Eugenia, I was looking at, like it didn't take me long to work out what six really. It probably took three minutes, and my um, journey into the first week. But um, I realised I do not like most of the things in my, like by far the majority of things in my wardrobe. They're there because I don't have anything else that I've found to wear, and that's because I haven't put a concerted mm. effort into. Finding stuff, and then I, and then also because I don't have that skill set around, like particularly those. What do you call them? Those basic items, yeah, the foundational items that you like, the plain mm. black top and all that sort of stuff. Whereas I tend to go for flamingos and things, and then they don't go with the <laughs> other flamingos. Of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think also it's uh, it's almost a skill. All it is a skill, but we don't get taught that skill because. The people that we're learning about fashion from, which is really magazines and kind of advertising, what they want us to do, or what those pe- those people have a, have a vested interest, and that's to get us to buy more stuff. And if you actually get the skill that we're talking about, it's about um, creating a wardrobe that works for you, and that's kind of got enough, but not too much. Tell us and about it's how the, much do we need? The French versus Western way of shopping. That was really interesting. So, when you were telling me about okay, that. so my friend that I was um, talking to about the, you know, when I was trying to choose my six items, she was saying because she studied fashion and she's thought a lot about fashion, and and so she for her this really wasn't a challenge. She's like, well, I only really don't wear that much, and I've got my wardrobe really sorted, and every year I look at anything I'm not wearing and I get rid of it, and I think about how things go together. So if you've actually studied fashion, I think that this is not new. But to those of us who've just kind of made it up as we went along, it's like a little bit revolutionary. But she was saying that when she was in Europe, she really noticed that French woman and Italian woman, their sense of style is very personal and it's not trend-based. And so when they go shopping, they are very planned about what they're buying and the conversations that they have 
while they're shopping are really different to the conversations that we like might with have the shop with the shop assistants. And they're very much around, I'm looking for something that's going to work with these pieces and I'm looking for this colour range. It's going to huh. set off my basic. Because when I looked at my clothes, I ended up with like everything was grey, black and navy blue. And I was like, oh God, that's a really dull colour combination because I'd never bought my clothes thinking about, you know, I need something to kind of in the mm. middle there that's going to mm. be bright. So they were very and it's what you were saying about being very planned. So they were thinking, this is the gap that I need. I'm going shopping today, not to make myself feel good by buying something new, not to follow a trend, but because I actually need something that's going to make my wardrobe work more they effectively. They know what it is. Yeah. That need yeah. That, uh, so, what you just mentioned there, that kind of consumerism as an antidepressant, <laughs> that is such a big part of this. Mm, true. We and haven't even touched on that, away we, from the psychology that. of it. I think that is such a powerful thing to resist against and, and find other ways of making yourself happy rather than go out and It is and sometimes it's hard to talk about because it's kind of hard to talk about happiness and what actually makes you happy but there's something about I mean it's you know it's very innate isn't it and it's maybe that's the op shopping thing too that joy of finding that treasure that thing that is special to you that speaks to you and that is that that's what we love about shopping but with fashion or with your clothing you want it to actually make it's not about making you happy at that moment of handing over the money it's about making you happy every time you wear it so it's you know so for me that's the learning I want out of this month is what's the thing that I'm going to buy in it whether it's at an op shop or maybe at an ethical company that's put some you know time and money into designing something that works really well what is that thing that's actually going to make me happy when I wear it in the future not you know happy hanging in my wardrobe and thinking I now own that that thing so which I guess really is a mirror for the um uh, that sort of temporary short-term joy that we're sort of taught um, by companies. We're sort of brainwashed into it, which is so a part of the yeah. modern experience of consumerism, just living in a country where the economy has to run on us buying disposable crap all and the then, time. Yeah, and clothing has become part of that disposability. Yeah. Versus the more sort of sustainable vision of joy of like, Having yes. stuff that you like, having less yeah. stuff, but stuff that you really like yeah. and you appreciate and, and is helpful to you and, you know, isn't harming other people and yeah. that sort of thing. And I mean, we really see that at Wastebusters, you know, being the recipient of all those donated goods and those items that you pay a bit more for, those quality items and those brands, they, you know, they they make people happier. So that when people come along to the secondhand shop, that's what they want to buy, you know, and they take it home and it makes somebody else happy. But um, those cheap t-shirts and the and the disposable kind of you know those those really cheap brands that aren't well designed and don't last. People don't want to buy them. Like people don't want to spend a few dollars buying something that only costs a few dollars in the mm. first place that they know not going to last. That is never going to last. So those those items of clothing they don't make anyone happy in the whole production process. Like the workers aren't so happy. The well, workers are being exploited. Yeah. You know we haven't really even touched on the fact if you buy a five or ten dollar t-shirt you've just got to wonder what was the process of producing that how did the farmer get paid if it's a, a cotton t-shirt you know what was happening with the water that was used to produce that t-shirt how did that I, how did you ever pay a work anywhere near walked, a fair wage I you walked into can't. a Hallenstein's recently because I forgot to bring a belt to a wedding and I was like kind of horrified at the cost of the clothes of how cheap mm. it was because of what that represents mm. like seeing a a sweater with it's only partial, but some merino fibers for like thirty dollars, or a t-shirt for like six or eight dollars, just to know that 
that was produced in a different country by a set of workers in a factory then had to get shipped here. That includes the material costs, the labour costs, the transport costs. I assume a pretty healthy markup mm. for the company and the retail costs of all the staff working in the shop, the rent of the you know Queen Street store. It's like... It is horrifying. I see those low prices as horrifying as yeah. opposed to... Scintillating. It's exciting. scary. Yeah, yeah. It's it really scary, scary yeah. when you start to mentally build the picture of how that is possible. Mm, yeah. and, it, and it really doesn't include the environmental costs. It doesn't include the carbon costs. So of you course, think that most yeah. of those things are shipped around the world. And then it really doesn't include the cost of putting it into our waste system. And as you say, with these items as well, because they're really getting treated as one-use items, they'll get worn for three months and then sent somewhere if and then no lucky. one yeah, will lucky. give it a second life. No, of- and it's and it's really going straight to landfill. And the other thing, the other trend that we're really seeing in our um, shops is that people are online shopping and often, you mm. know, online shopping is really interesting. So a lot of shopping has moved to buying off a picture. And so a lot of, Sometimes people are buying two different sizes, so they're not quite sure that, that you know every brand's slightly different. So they might buy two or three sizes, and then it's so cheap that literally they will drop off the other size to us, which has never wow. been worn. And that's really scary too, because it's like not only we're we producing ridiculous amounts of clothes that we actually can't ever wear, we're now producing more clothes just so that we can even find the right size. Yeah. So that is um, madness. Madness. Yeah, so, it is. It, it's kind of mad. I feel like we're in yeah. a mad situation, and this and that's a that six item challenge. Just about going. Hey, let's just stop for a minute mm, and just, think about that's this. That's what I like. That's Get what I like about it on this situation. It's, it's, because it's that oh, you know, focused on oh, like plastics being a big focus, mm. and you know, I'm thinking a lot about permaculture. They're all just one by one. Like you know, some yeah. of the things that we've researched has been the first time I've really thought through a particular issue. And for me, the six item challenge is an opportunity to stop and think about this, you know, even the fact that I'm doing all this op shopping, it's like, actually it's a big time sucker and it's not, it's still not getting me the, me the results that I want. And so, yeah, for me, it's definitely about having some mindfulness around something that has actually gotten a little bit mad, even in my own life. Mm. And I'm still not getting what I want and going, I'm pretty sure this isn't how my mother dealt with things. Yeah. And it's like, what did they, I mean, I'm not saying let's go back in time, but what, what solutions did they have back then? I think one of them is definitely, like you said, some tailoring and yeah. Yeah. And I love that, uh, Tim, because I, um, a few months ago, one of my nieces was going to the, you know, the school ball and it was kind of the first one in her family. And so she was looking for dresses and it's, you know, such a crazy thing. The dresses are really expensive and it becomes a huge thing for all the girls. And so she ended up somehow borrowing a dress that had to get fitted or she ended up at, um, at a dressmaker and her advice, which I thought was great advice, was that you can buy a lot of beautiful ball dresses secondhand off um, trade me sites and things and that you could just buy a dress that was around about the right size and then have it tailored to fit Yeah, and you end up with a beautiful dress it's perfectly fitted. Really cost effective And it's well. really cost, cost effective. effective. And it yeah. also you get, you know, how often do ball dresses get worn? Like yeah. often they're only worn once or twice, yeah. you know, they're actually. And then you could probably resell it as exactly. well afterwards. So yeah. you're probably making like all your money. You yeah, know. exactly. So I, I really love that. And I love that sense of, because, you know, I really see with teenagers, a lot of them are really looking to, see, to op shopping or looking to do fashion a little bit differently. So they're mm. pretty aware of waste and they're, you know, it's actually quite a cool thing to be op shopping and so I love that you can have that ethos of well I'm going to a ball and a dress I'm really proud of 
that actually wasn't brand new. And, and I looks feel fantastic. More, it looks it's fabulous. Body. Yeah, it look, yeah. couldn't look better. But you also are proud of the fact that you've actually chosen an item that's been worn before and that isn't going to be worn once or twice and end up in, totally. either in your cupboard for like 40 years <laughs> or going to landfill. Can I ask a very trivial question about the six item challenge? I would love you to. Um, what, has there been any thought to the washing the clothes situation? Yeah. It's it a really, really good question. Wave and I, when Wave sort of introduced me to this, we were talking about, well, how does the – because if you've only got six items and you've got to be wearing them all the time, like that sounds like a lot of washing. Yeah, and I think in the short term it is. So, like, I think that is kind of probably the downside of the challenge is you're going to wash your items more regularly. So when I wash, I try to only wash when I've got a full machine load, yeah. which is quite easy because I've got teenage boys. So it <laughs> <that's, laughs> doesn't take that long to fill the machine. But, um, yeah, and – with the six items challenge, you are going to be washing your clothes more often. But I was thinking, I'm just going to hand wash a couple of things too. Oh, yeah. So you don't need to yeah. fill the machine up, you know, yeah. just to wash a couple of things. I'm you hand can washing. just hand wash. But we sat, the first night I was at Wave's house, we sat around the fire and then three of my items were really smoky. You know? <laughs> I was like, well, that's a challenge. I kind of, you know, normally I'd have a whole lot of more items in my yeah. bag. My tail was great for traveling. I didn't even have to. Oh, I, I packed in really literally like 20 minutes because I, I had all my clothes sorted. Yeah. I've got like a really Fantastic. small bag. Yeah. And it was, that was really freeing. Yeah. Just thinking out loud, what that could lead to, because, you know, I live in a share flat with other people, is that if you sort of do this challenge with some people that you live with, you can sync up your washers yeah, that you're doing which, is a, which would yeah. be a great thing for us to start doing yeah, anyway yeah, like if you're great. in a house yeah, yeah. Um, start thinking thinking about how you can pull that together as well yeah and of course um, something we haven't talked about too is fabric and like what you're making the fabric out of so I'm quite aware of washing because if you have synthetic fabric and you wash it yeah, micro, yeah microfibers are just a massive issue that we haven't sorted out and we don't have any way currently we know it's an issue but we don't have any way of stopping all those microfibers getting into our waterways so i do think a lot about the kind of material that buying. i'm buying and i really try to buy um, natural fibers as much as possible and then i also you know i always put my old clothes in the worm farm when they're Yes, I do that. I'm using them as mulch around trees in the orchards. Yeah, so long as they're natural fabrics, cottons and linens and that sort of thing. You can merino. You can put in there anything that came from nature. Sure. Well, the the worms will eat. Huh. Over time, yeah. So I really keep my worms as kind of pets, but they that's you, really why I keep them. Do you shred them? Do you chop them up quite no, finely? Or no, they'll I mean, just sort of decompose? Could, yeah, I, I, well, I just keep them damp, so the yep. worms like it to be damp, mm-hmm. and then I feed underneath, but they will. I'm not super regular on feeding it does, my worms. It does depend on scale. Like if you were sure, to chuck sure. a pair of jeans into your worm farm, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to be dinner, doing that very actually. often. But I, I do quite a lot of I would chop up. But something like that I would use as like a weed mat in the garden. Garden and stuff. I mean, sure. I'm just in case people are getting crazy visuals yeah, on yeah. this. I'm not meaning like that you can see it. You then pile the bark and all of the stuff on top. It's yeah. literally like how people would use black plastic. You yeah. just, yeah, you know, because it's add. carbon, which we've talked about before, and that's really, really good balance in the garden for your nitrogen. And it's, yeah, it's and I mean, literally I, helping build the soil. Ah, that's great. And I was just going to say with the worms, too, you can't, you know, pile masses of clothing up you have to kind of like it's all like with a worm farm you have to really adjust what you're putting in there to fit the quantity of worms you know i've um i have loved this particular brand of shoes uh etico and they they get them from australia and they're like the um chucks type 
looking all stars shoes and they are all natural materials it's natural rubber natural cottons um and so when you so at the end of life with those shoes i take great joy in burying them in the garden i that's don't chuck awesome. them in the compost because they'll take too long to break down but they're just natural throw it in a hole in the ground and that's that and it will eventually turn return to soil that is pretty cool it's cool and there's a few brands that are, or the startup ones that are being very disruptive. I know that all birds are, um, you know, using more natural fibres. And I saw that Adidas have, they launched a line earlier this year that they got out to 200 influencers, which I think are like 100% made from recycled materials. And they're also designed so that at the end of life, you, I think you give them back to Adidas and every component can be wow. 100% recycled again. They're not doing that out of the goodness of their own heart. They're responding to consumer demand, which is why it's so important for people like you, Janet, to be doing these sorts of challenges and programs to like raise awareness. More people get in, we can push these companies into doing these things, and then suddenly we've we've made this huge change. So bloody good on you. <laughs> yeah, what a legend, cool thing. Gina. Gina's behind a lot of cool stuff in New Zealand over the years. Like there was the Unpacket Awards and um, a lot of national Based campaigns around waste. That, um, well, then this will not be the last time we get you in. We'll, we'll get you in to talk about some other stuff. Yeah, down the track. Gold, doing something else gold. crazy. Um, yeah. Where can people find out about all the details of the six item challenge? So, if you go to the um, Wastebusters Facebook page and Instagram, we've got an Instagram account too, Wanaka Wastebusters, and there's the event up on there, and we're posting lots. And if anyone's keen to do it. We'd love you to go on social media and share your journey as well. Yes, don't worry about joining a bit late. Yeah, just yeah, jump no, in. Yeah, no, just jump, jump in. in or jump wherever in. you are, right? Yeah. In fact, it'd be cool if we've got any international listeners, if you wanted to join in and uh, jump in with, with yeah, Wastebusters Six there, Item there Challenge. Yeah, and there are some international um, activity happening overseas as well. Awesome. So if you go to uh, Instagram and just hashtag Wastebusters Six Items with a six, number six, um, you'll see what everybody's doing. That's so. right. And we'll have these links in your... Uh, episode show notes so if you just click on your podcast app right now you can you can get into those accounts and see what's happening awesome. and thanks for joining us Wade yeah my pleasure